Alexis Reese, and I'm from Utah. I'm Emily Wool, and I'm from England. I'm Abby Sundberg, and I'm from Toronto, Canada. I'm Jackson Tenclay, and I'm from Chicago. I'm Woojin Kang, and I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, we're a team from YWAM, with this, which is Youth with a Mission. We're from Conaside, and uh, we're doing our outreach here in Hilo. So the YWAM program we're in is called a DTS. It's six months of Bible training and learning how to be a missionary and show God's love. So we took classes in Kona, and uh, we're here to put into practice what we've learned. Um, so part of it is here at New Hope with the youth and young adults and just anyone we can show love to. Well, I think that with a lot of things, it, whether it's big or small, it's really um, like there's freedom that we don't have to solve it all at once. Mm -hmm. And like we don't need to heal from it all at once, mm -hmm. um, but that it's a decision every day um, to choose to be hopeful or to choose to be joyful. I think that's what I've learned. Yeah, I would say for me, it's like focusing on Jesus. So no matter what I go through, as long as I focus on Jesus, then everything else is in perspective. And I know that every time I get set back, then I can still focus on Him and it's actually going to be okay because my eyes are set on Him. Yeah, for me, during those times, like I like to look back at like the blessings that God has poured into mm -hmm. my life and not focus on those setbacks or that wall that's in front of me at the moment because when you do that I feel like that just you know um, I don't know it makes you depressed it brings you down if you only focus on the bad things I like to look back and look at all the blessings God has poured in my life and mm -hmm. use that to give me the energy and the strength to persevere and keep moving on yeah actually just this morning I was reading in first Corinthians um, about how like God will never give us anything that's too hard for us or anything we can't handle and like mm -hmm. that's something that I always remember is like yeah. I can yeah. do this because mm -hmm. he won't ever give me something I can't do so yeah. that's one way I remember I can push forward I can keep going because it's just what God has placed in front of me and I know he won't leave me and he won't fail me I think also another thing is just leaning on the community around you mm -hmm. like realizing yeah. that God's placed like even these guys um, have been here through hardships and like they can pray for you or just be around you to comfort you when you're going through that. We say thank you to our Hula sisters and of course Youth with a Mission for sharing this morning. Because really the question to us is what do you believe? Because what you believe will determine the direction that you live your life or the direction that you move in your life. It will all come from what you believe. If you believe that your life is a failure, you will live your life as a failure. But if you believe that your life was created by God and that he has a new life for you by design, then you're going to live your life for the things of God. Today we conclude our series, A New Life by Design, and we're going to talk about how do you keep moving forward. We understand old and new. We understand that... I had an old car that used to break down. Now I have a new car that doesn't break down. I had an old car that I could, that I could eat food in. Now I have a new car I don't eat food in. I had an a old uh, computer, but now I have a new computer. I had an old phone, and I still have an old phone. Or you may have a new phone, and now you're trying to get used to everything. We understand the old and then the new. But when God says, I am taking your old life 
and making it brand new, it's still the same person. It's still the same body. If there's not another you that comes into play and then God says, I'm going to dispose of the old. He says, there's going to be a new creation that takes place inside of you. And then I'm going to do something inside of you. Now, here's where we run into conflict. Because God says, I'm taking over, uh, I'm, I'm taking you from an old life to on over to a new life, that you're still going to deal with some old habits. You're still going to have some old tendencies. And what that allows us to do and causes us to do is rely on God because we still have that sinful nature attached to us. Your spirit gets saved by God. That's what goes on to eternity, our spirit. Our flesh, our human nature is still here. Our flesh does not get saved. Our, our spirit does. So when we have failures or setbacks, sometimes we look at our life and say, well, that's just who I am then. That's just my life. No, that's not who you are. Your failure does not define you, nor do your setbacks. God defines you. It's the life that he created for you that brings a vision for your life. And for all of us, that growth or the maturity that we have or that we are, are heading towards and the, the improvement for life, it doesn't come quickly and it doesn't come easy. It takes work to live a life that is fruitful and successful and are full of achievements. It, it takes work. And if you expect life to hand you whatever you want and, and for for everything to fall into place, then you're going to have a difficult time moving forward because life is full of disappointments. You have to intentionally want to keep moving forward to improve in the life that God has designed for you. Last week, Pastor Charlie spoke about being unique. Aren't you glad that there is only one you? If there was two of you, I mean, we can't even handle our own life. Imagine if you had two of you, of your life, to manage. God created you as a unique person. And so I, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Charlie who did a, a wonderful job in giving God's word and, and encouraging us that we are unique. And he talked about this special offering for our uh, Camp Agape and that's going to be coming up next week. So if God puts that on your heart, then by all means, uh, be a part of that. But you are unique. God has designed your life in a specific way that he knows how it works. He's the, he's the master artist that puts together this masterpiece called your life. And he knows everything about you. He knows how we operate the best. Now here's where we have a gap that we call the expectation gap. That this, this expectation gap tells us that it should have been more easier than this. Marriage should have, should have been easier than this. This new job should have been easier than this. My children, they should have been easier than this. This new life in Christ, I thought it was easier than this. But that's just an expectation that we have. And we think it's easier than this, but it's really not. It takes a lot of work to live the life that God has designed for us. Now, here's where it becomes encouraging. It's not your strength that you're going to live this new life. See, if you don't know God and you, if you don't live your life for God, you're doing everything on your own strength. That's why when you get opportunity after opportunity or you get a promotion or not, you, you think it's going to be things 
that are going to fulfill your soul. So we chase after things rather than the things of God only to come out empty on the other side. Even though you may make more money, even though it may be a so-called better job, or even though you had a bad relationship and then you go into another one looking for something to satisfy your heart, if it's not God who's doing that, you will always be disappointed and you will always come up empty because there's a spot that God reserved for him only called eternity. He put that into every single human being so that we would seek after him, not so that we would seek after etern- uh, temporary things. You can't satisfy eternal and eternal emptiness with temporary things. It's just not going to happen. And so we want to learn, how do we live this life then that God has created for us, knowing that we're going to have situations and, and, and certain disappointments in life and various errors in our life that's going to challenge our character. Have you ever been challenged by something that you feel like quitting or you feel like, I can't do this anymore, and it just challenges your character or it challenges who you are? We learn every day to either move forward stay the same or quit. We have those opportunities. Uh, some time ago, someone told me that <clears throat> they ran the, uh, the Aloha Run on Oahu, and it's 8.5 miles. And so they said, you know, you should run it. It's fun. It's great. And I thought, I don't run 8.5 miles. I, that's just not me. I can run 0.5. I can do that. And so, but I, I, I wanted to uh, have a small goal in place to maintain a healthy lifestyle and exercise And so that kind of helped. And what they told me is you want to train, though. You want to run every day or at least a couple times a week so that you can build up to 8.5 miles. So I did that. And so we ran the Aloha uh, run last week, and I experienced some great learning opportunities. One of the things that I experienced uh, was being frustrated and being impatient because when... You're at that race, there are thousands of people. And so then the start, you know, there's a starting night and you begin. Now I'm starting to run and the people in front of me are not. They're walking. And so, you know, you have to maneuver between them and you have to find your way. And, and sometimes you're running sideways to get around people. And I, I begin to uh, get frustrated. And in my mind, I'm thinking, move, get out of the way. This is the Aloha Run. So if you're not going to run, go on the side and walk. Maybe you need to, like cars, right? If you slow, go in the right lane. But that's not happening. And they're having a fun time while I'm not. I'm getting frustrated. So I'm running around people. And then you have people walking in a, like a, like a not a single file line, but a single side line. And they're blocking the whole entire road. And I'm thinking, can you not, like space yourself apart or something, like calisthenics, put up your arms or something, have some type of system. And so I'm, being, I'm getting frustrated. And then there's a small kids and strollers, and I got to maneuver between strollers, and I'm, I'm just getting frustrated. You ever had God give you lickings in the middle of being frustrated or, or you, you're feeling just, you know, intense impatience? Like there's impatient, and then there's intense impatience. So I'm at the point of intense impatient, impatient, and then God speaks to me, and he says, don't forget who you are. It's like, why? They don't know me. <laughs> I get my hood on, and I'm running, shades on, and I don't, nobody know me. 
So, and then, and he says, don't forget who you are. And, and he says, you're not a runner. You're my spokesman. You're my ambassador. You're here to represent me. And so he tells me, you know why you're here? You're here to encourage people. You're here to shine my light. That's why you're here. You're here so that, and I put you here so that you can encourage people. And by then, it's like, you know, mile three. I'm like, okay, I'm so sorry, God. <laughs> Have you ever ran emotionally? It takes a lot out of you. So as I'm running, then I, I had to switch my mind and my heart. I had to correct my heart and adjust it to God's. And, I, and so I, I would tap people on the shoulder. I say, hey, way to go. Good job. Because I had some aunties and uncles passing me by and some tutus passing me by and some papas just kind of cruising. They're not even breathing. And they're just passing me by. And I'm thinking, God, speak to them. Encourage me. <laughs> and then you had children. And I remember this one kid, he's, he's walking with his mom, and he does not want to be there. You can tell. She's almost dragging him. You know how you got to lift him up and you got to hop with him? He's like, he does not want to be there. And so I pass him, and I stop, and I turn around, and I said, way to go, buddy. And he gives me a five. And as I turn around, I hear the mom turn to him. And she turns to him, and she goes, you see, I told you. I don't know what their conversation was, but whatever it was, something happened there. And as I'm continuously running through this, I thought, Lord, you, you put us in certain places for a specific reason because you designed us to represent you. There's a reason why we're at our workplace. There's a reason why we have the family we have. There's a reason why you're married to that person. <laughs> Sorry, but it's, there's a reason why. If you haven't figured it out yet and, it's, and you're wondering if it's love, it maybe I have started out that way, but there's a reason why you're together. You see, when you have this new life in Christ, it's by design. There's a specific reason why God created you. And when you can understand that you're specifically designed, you have a reason to continue to move forward in life. If you are a human being, you will fail. It's just a part of our sinful nature. You will fail. You, you will fail. We experience challenges every single day. You're either going to quit, stay there, or move forward. It's your choice. But God says, I created you so that you continue to move forward. And when you fail, when we make mistakes, you don't have to stay there. Nor are you defined by your failure. Failure is not a person. It's a moment. It doesn't define you. God defines you. He designed you with a purpose. When God looks at you and I, he doesn't look at our failures. He looks at the possibilities, the vision that he has for our life. He says, I created you with a purpose. Now you walk in this purpose. Paul the apostle was one who got this, this new life by God. And so now he has this vision for his life. Paul had some setbacks, but on his way to his journey to Rome to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, he encounters some struggles. And in your, your bulletin, there are some notes that you can take out, and it will help you to follow along. But in Acts chapter 27, verse 8, we see Paul the apostle struggling. And it says, we struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. They struggled with great difficulty. Many of us struggle with great difficulty 
in our homes, in our relationships, at work, in life. We struggle with great difficulty, but God wants to give us the vision that there will be one day that we finally arrive. We've got to keep that vision in front of us that we will finally arrive. And not to the point that we arrive at a certain position or point in life that we say, oh, I got it all together. I know everything. We did that when we were 18, 19 years old. Never work. We don't know everything. But God says, I have a vision for your life that you're going to arrive even, even though they struggled, they arrived. We may struggle with various difficulties, but it won't be long until we arrive. So we keep moving forward. I like how Walt Disney says it. We keep moving forward, doing new things, opening new doors because we're curious. And curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. There are new paths that God has for us. But it has to be done His way because it's by design that he created us. You see, all of us can learn to move forward toward the finish line in every area of our life by understanding how God designed your life. And the first thing is this, that you must have vision for life. That is a must. You have to have vision for life. Have a vision for your life. Don't just exist. Live the life that God has designed for you. That's what we've been talking about these past eight weeks. And you might be thinking, but what if I make mistakes? What if I fail at something? Listen, embrace it. Learn from it. And then move forward. Don't do the same thing over and over again. Just embrace it. Okay, I failed. I made a mistake. But that doesn't define you. And then you move forward. I like how one farmer said it. He says, you know, it doesn't matter how much milk you spill. So long as you don't lose your cow. <laughs> and I thought, we're going to make mistakes so long as you don't miss your relationship with God. So long as you don't lose that opportunity that God wants to restore you with so long as you don't forget about God because we're going to make mistakes don't lose this relationship with God you keep that one and you want to write this in under point number one when I accomplish small goals it leads to bigger ones all those small things in life the, the way we speak to one another picking up after ourselves in the home uh, encouraging people all those small things those things matter because it's in the little things, as we say, that counts. It's all those small things. Normally in a marriage that I see that is falling apart, it's never the major stuff. It's the small things. You don't thank me. You don't even greet me. Oh, you forgot about this. You always say this. It's the small things that add up to the bigger things. But those small little goals, it, it will always lead to the bigger ones because all roads to achievement lead through the land of failure. You're going to have to go through that land. You must love life. You must have a vision for your life. Failure is a simple way and a small price we pay to achieve success. It's a part of our journey to success. Wolfgang Mozart, he was told by Emperor Ferdinand that his opera, The, the Marriage of Figaro, was far too noisy. And contained far too many notes. Vincent van Gogh only sold one painting in his entire lifetime. Thomas Edison was, was said to be unteachable. And Albert Einstein was told by his Munich schoolmaster that he will never amount to much. These are, these are, these are history greats. 
that in spite of what other people would see as failures, multiple reasons why they were failures, in spite of that, they kept moving forward. And this is how you know you're, you're, you're living rather than just existing. This is how you know you're, 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 you have a, a, a life worth living for and you understand that concept that you, you celebrate and you contribute more than you complain. It's like an indicator. If I'm always complaining, it's an indicator that I'm just existing. But if I celebrate, I encourage, I uplift, I build up, I contribute, I, I, I help rather than hinder, it's an indication that I have a vision for my life. Because I'm not held back by the failures or things that people say or the mistakes that others make. I like how Habakkuk tells us when it comes to vision in the Bible. Habakkuk 2 verses 2 and 3. The Lord gave me this answer. Write down clearly on clay tablets what I reveal to you so that it can be read at a glance. Put it in writing because it is not yet time for it to come true. But the time is coming quickly. And what I show you will come true. It may seem slow in coming, but wait for it. It will certainly take place, and I will not be delayed. I love that because God says, I have a vision for your life, but you got to write it down. You have to put it in writing so that you can view it at a glance. Don't put together an essay of what your life is supposed to look like. He says, just write it down where you can view it at a glance so that you know that's my purpose for life. That's why you created me. This personal vision, it gives you direction, motivation, determination. And it gives us that purpose for living. It sustains us when things don't go well. My vision is to release the dreams of others starting with my very own family. It's just that simple. I I can understand it. That's why I do what I do. So anytime an, an obstacle comes my way, a negative word, or someone puts me down, or gives me an email that's negative, whatever it is, it doesn't bother me. Because I can learn from it and then release the dreams in others, starting with my own family. There's a vision for your life. Write it down. Put it somewhere that you can see it. Put it on your phone if you have to. I have this thing that reminds me that I can look at it often. And when you keep it in front of you, the Bible says it'll come. It's not slow. It'll happen. It's not time yet, but it'll happen because God is for it. That's the vision that he's given you for your life. When we have this this vision for our life and when we can say to God, Lord, you have designed my life for a specific reason. You have have given me a a purpose for living. Then now I can understand the bigger picture. I'm not stuck in the small setbacks. Queen Emma, before she became queen, had this vision of, of building a hospital. That's why we have the queen's medical center, the largest private medical center in our, in our state. But she had this vision growing up as a, as a little girl with her adopted father who was a doctor. And he would have her help him help people. And then she caught the vision of doing the very same thing and used her influence for the vision that she had for life to help other people. When you have a vision for your life, it sustains you. It keeps you going forward looking at the bigger picture, rather than going backwards. The question is, what kind of vision do you have for your life? Because if you don't have a vision for your life, you will find no value in moving forward. 
It starts with that vision, having preparation. Preparation leads to our attitude, then opportunity, then action. Then you find success because it starts with the vision that God will give to you. You cannot change your destination overnight, but you can sure change your direction overnight. And God says, I have, I have everything prepared for you. It'll take time, but you write it down, you talk about it, and you apply it. I think of vision as the, the potter's clay. You know, they have the potter and the clay. It takes time to mold and shape until the final result. And that's God with us. He's the potter, we're the clay. He has a vision for our life. He'll give it to us. We'll have the vision for it, but then it takes time to mold and shape. But here's what I found helps to move forward, even when you have vision. And here's the second thing, that you, you must have passion for the things of God. You must have passion for the things of God. Everyone has passion for something. But when you have a passion for the things of God, then we can understand failure and success are, are inside jobs. Don't let failure on the outside ruin what's happening on the inside. Don't let it get to you on the inside. Don't let it come on the inside because failure is going to be an inside job. When you say, I'm a failure, you know that you've let outside failures come on the inside. But if you say, I failed at that, that's a big difference than I'm a failure. You're not a failure. What you did was a failure. God sees you as a prized child. He died for you. You're that valuable to him. Regardless of what people say, you must have passion for life. Don't let those things influence you, whatever failures. And this is how you, this is how you become more passionate. You can write this under number two, when I meet with God. I become passionate. You pray with him. You get into the word of God. You, 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 you surround yourself with the people that are passionate about the things of God. Uh, th there may be people who are overzealous and cannot connect with people because they, they don't know how to relate to people in everyday life. It's so super spiritual that there's no earthly good to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's so overzealous that a non-believer can't even connect. But when you have a passion for the things of God, the things of God are people. That's what God is most passionate about. Because when you die to yourself, now His Spirit can live inside of us. The Holy Spirit can do its greatest work when we die to ourselves, because now there's nothing hindering His work in us that He designed us for. And so he says, I'm, I'm going to give you passion, but I'm going to give you passion not just for anything, passion for the things of God. That when we pray to God, we pray to God as if he will answer, but we work and we put our hands to the plow as if he already answered it. And we continue to move forward. Have that passion for life. I love how John recorded in the Bible his observation of the life of Jesus Christ when Jesus went to the temple and he saw the money changers selling the offering to the people and making money off of the people. And he turned over the money changers' uh, tables. And John writes this, and we have it in the book of John. It's in John 2, verse 17. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. He's talking about Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ said, passion for my father's house, it consumed me. 
do you have the kind of passion that honors God in such a way that it consumes you? Because when you have a passion for God, passion for the things of God, it'll consume you. But if you have a passion for the things of this world and temporary things and the evil of this world, you have a passion for that, it'll consume you. You want to have the passion for the things of God. Be the kind of person where you have the ability to inspire others because people will see a difference in you and then they will ask you why. They won't understand it at first, but then they will ask you why. And this happens as a result of you continuing to move forward because you have passion. Everyone has passion. Women, how many of you have a passion for shopping? Raise your hand. You love shopping. Yeah, you love shopping. How come you're not raising your hand? You can be honest. Yeah, you have a passion for shopping. It's not a sin. I'm just saying you have a passion for shopping. Men, you, men what about you? Your wives have a passion for shopping. They never raise their hand. But my, yeah, men, we know they have a passion for shopping. Now, women, how many of you have a passion for paying bills? Raise your hand. <laughs> I know you like when it's paid off. But when you have a passion for shopping and you see the bill that comes in or the credit card bill, you're not passionate about that. But for some reason, your passion for shopping overrides your passion of going into debt. You don't have passion for that. That's how strong passion is. Now, for men, we have a passion for sports or for, for cars or for the, the manly stuff. We have a passion for those things. How many of you men have a passion for food? Raise your hand. You have a passion for food. Like when you can be, you can be full, but if somebody brings smoked meat, you're hungry. I don't know how that works. But how many of you have a passion for gaining weight and being unhealthy? None of us do. As men, we have a passion for food, not gaining weight. We don't go to the mirror and say, yeah, look at my belly. We don't like, we don't have a passion for that. But we have a passion for food, and the passion for food overrides weight gain. Passion does something to us. When you have a passion for something, it helps you to move forward. And when you meet with God, he gives you passion. But it's a passion for the things of God, not just for temporary things and the things in this world. You're only passionate toward the things you value. That's what you're passionate about. So value the things of God. And when you have a vision for your life and passion for the things of God, it will cause you to do this. Number three, to bounce back quickly. That I must bounce back quickly. In, in, in moving forward, you got to be able to bounce back quickly. You must be able to not take offense to words that are said to you. To, to be able to, when someone says something negative to you or, or something happened in your past, Lord, help me to move past that. Cleanse me. Heal me. Make me brand new so that I can move forward. you got to be able to bounce back quickly. When there's a setback, learn from it as quickly as possible. Not sweep it under the rug. Deal with it. Give it to God and say, God, help me with this. Help me with this. And then you bounce back quickly. See, it's easy to dodge our responsibilities. But we can never dodge the consequences. And so we deal with it as quickly as possible. Not to become naive to it and say, oh, no, no, that didn't happen. No, you deal with it responsibly and then you move forward. And when you develop, you want to write this in under number three, when you develop training points, I overcome the desire to quit. Training points. 
Now, what is a training point? Well, it can be also interchangeable as a quitting point. That there are certain times in life where you feel like quitting, you feel like giving up. But call them training points because these are the points that when you feel like quitting, you train your mind and heart to keep moving forward. And when you do this, you enter into another doorway of the life that God has designed for you. You can either look for a shortcut or the best cut. And when you love life, you will hit mountain peak after mountain peak. But between these mountaintops are what we call valleys. We will all experience valleys. But wherever there's a valley, there's a mountaintop that you can look forward to. And the reason why we can look forward is this in Psalm 23. We call it the shepherd's psalm. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, walk through the valley. Not stop there and kick back and hang out and pitch up a tent and make a fort and live there. It says, no, you're in the valley. You're walking through the valley. Why can you, how can you walk through the valley? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's where we find our comfort. You can bounce back through the power of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how you bounce back. It's not an ordinary, oh, I'm going to think, I'm going to bounce back. Okay, throw everything on the side. It's only through the power of the cross and resurrection. Expect disappointments in life. Expect that you're going to get distracted. Expect that there are going to be some failures and some mistakes. Don't make it happen, but it's going to happen. It's just a part of life. We live in a sinful world. In this uh, training for this Aloha Run, while we were starting and, you know, I'm going through all my, you know, uh, my issues while I was starting and, and, and getting frustrated, as we're running, uh, as, as people were walking and I had to dodge people, I had to switch from running this race to training for this race, that while I was training, I wasn't training my physical body, I was actually training my mind, that when I came across someone who was in front of me and I had to go around them, I had to revert back to my training. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, I remember when I was running in Waikoloa, I had to run around these people and go on the sidewalk and then go around them and then go back on the road or whatever it was. It's like I had to revert back to my training point, that while I was running, I had to visualize the aloha run. And while I was training, I had to visualize what if this happens? What if it rains? What if it's sunny? What if got too much people? What if my back is sore? What, if, what about my breathing? It's at those training points and the run before the race that I experienced that. So when I was running the aloha race, the aloha run, and, and it was overcast and it wasn't raining that much, I was okay until someone stepped in a puddle next to me. They stepped in this puddle and water soaked my right shoe. And I'm, now I'm running. And my right foot is heavier. And then I, I, I feel the complaint coming up and I said, wait, hang on, wait a minute. I trained for this. I ran in soaking Hilo rain. This is Honolulu rain. It's like a drop every 10 feet. Hilo rain is a drop every 10 centimeters. So I can run in this. It's only one shoe. I can run in this. I ran in soaking wet gear. I can do this. And so it was no big deal. Then I kept running. And then 
as, as, I, as I came across the bad terrain, you know, they have some potholes on Oahu and some bad roads. I was thinking, I better not, you know, tweak my ankle and I better be careful. And so I started to get frustrated. And at the moment I said, I'm just going to walk, I stopped and I said, wait a minute. I remember running down this other road and that road was, the terrain was bad. I passed that test. I can, I can do this. This is easy. This is nothing. So I kept running. I kept moving forward. And then we came across this one hill. It's about 150 yards and it's just it's this one hill toward the ending. And when I saw that hill, I was depressed. And I said, I got to go up this hill. Maybe I should walk up this hill. And I stopped and I said, wait a minute. I ran in Waikoloa. That's Mauna Kea. I was running up the Mauna Kea mountain, not the actual, you know, summit thing. But, but we're all on Mauna Kea, right? Because it's connected because we're on a volcanic activity island. You understand the principle. So we're all on the volcano. Not to scare you. It's not going to erupt under you. But it's a, sl- anyway. So as I'm running up this hill, I visualize Waikoloa. And I thought, I ran miles up Waikoloa Hills. This 150 yards is nothing. It's a walk in the park. I passed that test. This is easy. And the moment I went back to my training points, the actual run was simple. You see, our our life is filled with training points. You probably had one this morning coming to church grumbling. But when you resolve that, the next time you grumble, you know what to do. You say, I'm sorry, quick. Or you just don't speak at all. And you let her, just, or, or him, not assuming was the wife's fault. Right? You, maybe you don't have to say anything. Maybe you just have to listen. But you learn from something else, and that's your training point. Because this is what will take place. We go, we, God has given us a vision to be here, to have the joy of the Lord. But maybe some of us are here, we don't have it. And God is saying there's going to be some training points along the way. And in order for you to reach here, you must go through this. Because this one here, this is a biggie. This is a big one that you're going to have to overcome. But if you just jump from here to here, not possible for you right now. You're not at that stage of life. However, if I just help you through that one small thing and you overcome that, oh, then you can go on to the bigger thing. Then when you overcome that, oh, now you can do this one because this one is a little bit bigger. Then when you overcome that, oh, you can overcome this one because it's a little bigger and God will give you the strength to do so. By the time you get to this big one, buying a house, getting a family, getting married, getting promoted, owning another car, whatever it would be, being used by God in ministry, being used by God in an in a impactful way, rising up in your leadership, Whatever it would be, he says, you can handle that because you're going to have some setbacks here. And if you quit here, all of this was for nothing. was for nothing. You don't know pigeon. <laughs> he says, if you can be faithful in the little, then you can be faithful in much. Because this is what happens. When you get here, God says, I'm not done with you yet. I want to use you to glorify me. And God says, now you're here at the servant's table. And you're going to feel like, well, I've got to start all over again. No, because this is actually this. But compared to what God has more in store for you, for the future, this compared to that looks like this. Then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what it means to go from glory to glory to glory. We don't just skip. 
He says, no, you can have some training points, but you got to overcome them. It's in those practice runs. You go from the smaller to the bigger because God is preparing you for the bigger race up ahead. And many of us have a hard time moving forward because the familiar is easy. We love the comfort of the easy. We don't like challenges. We don't like failure. We don't like setbacks and disappointments. So we stay there and we say, I'm fine with this. And God says, oh, if you realize the new life that I have for you, it's by design. Then you'll be okay with certain setbacks because it's a part of you moving forward. And when you learn from that point on, then you can take over and do the bigger things more and more frequently. And it's not a bad thing. Again, you're not a failure. Failure is a moment, not a person. And moving forward is intentional. It's not automatic. You know what's automatic? When you're falling. Once you start falling, it's just automatic. Gravity takes over. It's automatic when you're going downhill or you've fallen into a pit. It's automatic. But God says, that's not the life I created for you. You were designed with a purpose, and that's to keep moving forward because I have a vision for your life. There are two people that I want to give you a story about. One was a man by the name of Chuck, we uh, Chuck Webner, and he was known as the Bayon Bleeder. He was a boxer. And the reason why they called him the Bayon Bleeder is in the boxing world, he's known as a catcher. He uses his head to stop the punches and block the punches from the opponent. Two things will happen. Either he'll get knocked out or he will knock out the other guy. But he was one of the most toughest fighters that he would take the beating, take the beating, take the beating. But he would win some. Well, he had an opportunity to fight George Foreman. Don King gave him that opportunity. But when, Don, when, when George Foreman lost to Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, when he lost... Then Chuck Webner found himself up against the greatest of all time. Well, Chuck Webner, he was up for the challenge. And so the morning of the fight, he gave his wife a pink negligee. And he said to his wife, he said, Honey, tonight, after this fight, you'll be sleeping with the heavyweight champion of the world. And Chuck Webner gave her that pink negligee. It was in the ninth round that Chuck Webner gave a paw-like punch to Muhammad Ali to his chest that knocked the champ off his feet to the ground. Chuck Webner went to his corner ringman and he says, start the car. We're going to the bank. We're millionaires. And his ringman said, you better turn around because the champ is getting up. Well, it was in the final round, 19 seconds, that Muhammad Ali won by technical knockout. And Chuck Webner lost that fight. After the fight, Chuck Webner's wife came up to him, pulled out her pink negligee, and she said, does Ali come to my room or do I go to his? <laughs> and it would be just a funny boxing story, but, but the second guy was a struggling young writer. And this struggling young writer was in the audience and, and he saw this fight and he said, that's it. And in three days, wrote a movie script. And the movie studios offered him $400,000, an unprecedented $400,000 for this movie script and the rights to it, which this young writer turned down and he says, just give me $20,000 and the rights to 
play the part in my own movie. And so they made that deal. Well, because the movie was made after Chuck Wepner and his story, they offered him $70,000 or 1% of the movie royalties, the gross income. Well, Wepner wanted the guaranteed cash, so he took the $70,000, which costed him, if he took the 1%, $8 million. Because that movie was Rocky. And the actor, that struggling writer, was Sylvester Stallone. Until this day, he is known as Rocky Balboa, even when he walks the streets of Philadelphia. Sylvester Stallone kept moving forward with all of his Rocky films and, and even the latest Rocky film, he actually, he actually wrote it and scripted it to have Christian values in it. Now, I know Sylvester Stallone doesn't have all movies that are Christian valued, but this one, he wanted it. He wanted it to be a story about the redemptive power of Christ. That he felt this, this franchise, Rocky, came full circle from what it was, the underdog, to what it became. And when you keep moving forward, it may very well be that, that you may look at your life as, I'm the underdog. But with Christ, it comes back full circle. When Jesus died for you and I on the cross, people saw that as a failure. But then he was buried in a tomb and was resurrected three days later. That's the same power he gives to you and I in this new life that he has designed. Where you see your life as a failure. And other people may label you as a failure and say, you failed at that, you made these mistakes. That may very well be your destination, your road to your resurrection. That's only through the power and resurrection of the cross of Christ. He forgave you of your sins for a reason. And it's not so that you label yourself as a failure. It's so that you see yourself as God's chosen instrument to live a new life by design, not by accident. Because even though you struggle in life with some difficulties, you will finally arrive at the throne of grace. Amen. Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, the, the grace that you give to us, this new life that you have designed for us, is designed with a purpose that we're not just randomly made. You don't just create us and just throw us out into the world. You specifically design us to be where we are, to sovereignly help our life in this new life that you've given to us. You don't leave us. You you. You intricately designed our life. And you help us along the way to keep moving forward. Our failures do not define us. Failure is not a person. It's a moment. And I pray, Lord, for anyone here this morning that they may feel like they've made some failing mistakes or they, they had some setbacks. Or maybe they, they hold it against someone else that they made some mistakes or they made some failing decisions. And Lord, I, I pray that we would have new eyes, that we'd have vision not just for our life, but vision for life in general with other people, that they would, they would be valuable to us too. That we'll continue to move forward, that we would walk through the valleys because you are with us and you comfort us. Thank you 
for helping us through our struggles. Thank you for the cross of Christ and the resurrection power that now lives in us who says yes to you. So we trust in you, Lord, and we, we look forward to what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said amen. Can we thank our wonderful God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for giving us this new life by design. The Bible says you're a new creature in Christ. All old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand new. Just say this to yourself. This is the best day of my life. Okay, let's repeat that. Ready, go. This is the best day of my life. Let's stand together as we sing that as our final song. I don't know if you guys are ready. Ready, let's go. I receive everything that you're doing.